1: welcome to the terrible podcast season 13 episode 139 he's dave Bryan. i'm alex kazora steelers thanks for being back with us here this monday steelers nation hopefully everybody had a fun and safe weekend dave how you doing
0: i'm doing well how did that peter brady uh, audio setting turn out for you
1: i think okay i haven't really gotten much feedback but I'm happy with it. I might put something out on, on Twitter to compare and contrast my audio just so hopefully it sounds as good as possible. So still tweaking, still going through my Peter Brady phrase, but I'm getting there.
0: All right. Fantastic. Uh, let's see what, what's going on in the sports world this morning. The Steelers, obviously, uh, the final week of their OTA uh, sessions. The uh, Did you watch that basketball game uh, last night or any of it?
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good game. I thought Denver was gonna hit that three at the end for Murray, so it was, a, it was a good comeback. But happy to see Miami tied up. Just so that series, you know, has that feel of being competitive. You don't want to sweep in the NBA right, Finals, right?
0: Right. At least it, it it does look like it's shaping up to be somewhat of a series there. It'd be interesting to see if the Steelers use uh, this uh, day because obviously four days this week. Uh, one of those, you wonder if it's going to be a team building process. So I guess we're sitting here waiting to see if they're going to be on the field today or be uh, somewhere in Pittsburgh, uh, a, a team building exercise there. So uh, not a lot, obviously, has happened since Friday, but uh, we have a few few things to maybe talk about today, right?
1: Yeah, from a kind of news standpoint, hard news standpoint, Pittsburgh reportedly bringing in two players for workouts, tryouts, don't know exactly when that'll be, probably Monday, Tuesday, something like that, reportedly offensive tackle Eric Smith coming in for a workout, he's uh, been in the league for a couple years, only appeared in four NFL games, spent time with the Jets, Um, not a tremendously strong or extensive NFL resume, but not a, a rookie necessarily, And the long snapper circuit continues, apparently, as uh, according to the XFL, Rex Sunahara is coming in for a tryout as well. He actually spent time on Pittsburgh's roster throughout, what, 2021, I believe, late 2021 and, and early 2022. And so he's not new to Pittsburgh. And so they've really taken a look at some of these long snappers in Antonio Ortiz. Nick Boyle came in during rookie minicamp. And so you think at some point they're going to sign one of these guys. Otherwise I'm not really sure what's the point of, you know, constantly rotating all these guys in for tryouts.
0: Yeah, that's uh, quite interesting. And they still sit at 89 players, active players as well too. Right. So right. Uh, uh, qu- quite interesting that they haven't filled that extra spot here. At, 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 you know, as the final week of OTAs get underway, we'll see if there's any news that comes through on any transactions uh, later today. But uh yeah, uh, just some names is all it is at this point, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, Sunahara is a guy that um, former high school receiver really tall. He's like probably the tallest long snapper in the NFL. He's six, six. Um He went to, I think, Rhode Island, and then he transferred to West Virginia. He had spent time in Miami. Again, he got signed, I think, late in 2021 as a COVID insurance type thing during, during one of those weeks, put on the practice squad, and it's kind of bounced on and off, and then he got waived, I believe, after the 2022 rookie minicamp. So, you know, not focusing on him too much, but just talking about the position at large, Pittsburgh, it seems like they want to try to find either maybe competition for Koontz or at least somebody else on this team who can do some long snapping. So we'll see. But right now they still sit at 89. We'll see if they sign the tackle. We'll see if they sign the long snapper or go in an entirely different direction. Yeah. Uh, all right. What else is newsworthy? Not much. It's been a pretty quiet weekend. Um, the busy cycle is kind of uh, tamped down a bit. There was an article written in the TRIB over the weekend, and sometimes you get, you know, additional quotes that you didn't hear during the week of OTAs to kind of get held on to and then uh, you know published and written out after the fact. And and this was the case here with uh, according to Joe Ruder, the Trib from Mason Rudolph talking about the different concepts, new concepts being added to the Steelers playbook. And Rudolph said that there was some stuff that he's learning. And obviously he's you know been with his team the entire time, Sand for a couple of months when he was a free agent. And so it sounds like there's a couple of new concepts that will be added this year with the continuity of Kenny Pickett, the offense being more stable, more, more cohesive. Rudolph did not say what those new concepts were. And you can insert your own Matt Canada joke here, but that's the, the word for Mason Rudolph.
0: Yeah, uh, hopefully it's just not six new, uh, (laughs) the joke going around six new jet kind of jet sweeps, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully it's, uh, stuff that, you know, uh, specifically, you know, can, can get the ball to the receivers out in space, maybe start attacking the, 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 uh, the, you know some things that'll attack the middle of the field a little bit more, and so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what what kind and how really how visible that stuff is. I mean, we should be able to pick it up right out of shoot a couple of weeks into the season, uh, in in indeed, if and in, you know if that's the case there. So, uh, interesting quotes from uh, from him for sure. Uh, our, our buddy Greg Cassell was back in uh, the news this weekend, right?
1: He was. He joined Ross Tucker on the Ross Tucker podcast as they went through the AFC North recap and just spent a couple of moments on Pittsburgh. But Cosell, as always, had a couple of interesting thoughts. He's not sure about Broderick Jones starting week one, basically saying he felt like he was a pretty rug. I really even said year one. I don't know if he really meant that, you know, literally is in he doesn't know if, if Jones will start at all in 2023. But basically was a little less confident in Jones being the day one starter this immediately penciled in guy, he recognized that Pittsburgh drafted him high and they may have plans that are different than Cosell's. But point is, he seems less confident in Jones being the right option to start a left tackle than maybe where Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh fans may may be at today.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine Broderick Jones not starting at some point, though, right? Or is it? I mean, when's the last time this team had a uh, first-round draft pick that wasn't starting by the middle of the season. Let's see, Kenny Kenny Pickett last year was what? Uh he got into the game week four and he's the first start was what, week five, right? Yes,
1: against Buffalo. Yep.
0: Uh how much further do you have to go back of first round draft picks with the Steelers where you know one wasn't starting, say, by you know, week five or week six of the season?
1: Yeah, we can go through the names. Najee Harris, day one starter. Twenty twenty, no first round pick. Devin Bush, day one starter. Terrell Edmonds, partially with Morgan Burnett getting hurt, but still, what day one starter? T.J. Watt, he was what day one starter. Artie Burns, he I mean he played a lot his rookie year. I think he was a sub package guy, but he was he was playing obviously lineman. You can't do that type of stuff, but yeah. Point is, you know, my whole thought has been basically after they realized how silly it was for Stephon Tuitt to sit behind Cam Thomas they realized that okay our rookies need to play a lot sooner than we've been playing them
0: now if you go back to obviously the uh back when Dick LeBeau you know uh there was times when you know those first round picks it took them a while to get on the field right you go right. back
1: to Cam Hayward yeah. his first two years right
0: yeah cam hayward i mean but uh you know in today's in today's NFL with uh with the fifth year options and 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 things like that. I mean, you got you gotta find out what you have in these guys right out of the shoot, you know, it seems like. And I, I I would think, you know, the only thing I, I I can somewhat see where Cosell's coming from had he had he had he went uh maybe first quarter of the season or something. But uh for him, and maybe it was just a misspoke on his part to say year one. Maybe he meant, you know, first, first couple weeks of the season just came out wrong or whatnot, but, you know, obviously, uh, Broderick Jones comes out of college with, you know, limited overall, uh, starter experience, right. You know, and maybe that's kind of where he's hedging that it's going to, it might take him a little while, you know, to, to acclimate himself, but, uh, I mean, I, I still think it's wide open for a chance for, for, for Broderick Jones to be a week one starter. And if he's not, I mean, I I would be absolutely shocked if, if, if Broderick Jones is not starting by, say, week five or so.
1: I had the same thought as Cosell. I still think Jones is the favorite to start a left tackle as things sit today, but I don't want to write this in pen and just assume it because A, as Cosell, and as we pointed out, Jones is a raw guy, 19 career starts, one year full-time starter. It's not a lot of experience at that college level to make that jump to the NFL, even though it's a tremendous program he's coming out of in Georgia. And then B, learning Pat Meyer's system, we saw the growing pains that... Basically, every Steelers lineman had last year adjusting the Myers system and his uh, specific techniques, especially in pass protection. Even veteran-type guys like James Daniels. I mean, you think back to to Daniels in the summer in training camp. I know you know you weren't there to see it, but you, you read the reports. He looked terrible. I mean, he looked just miserable in training camp and the line itself in the preseason looked pretty rough. And they evened things out over time, and they got a lot better. They were healthy and all those kinds of things. But it is going to be in adjustment period. And so you combine those two things along with Dan Moore being a guy with experience, a hard worker. He's got a leg up on obviously Jones because he's been in Meyer system. He's been in the league now for going on year three. I just don't want to assume that Jones is a hundred percent going to have that job for week one, because there are, there are some obstacles he's going to have to overcome.
0: All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah once again uh you know this team got so lucky with the injuries especially on the offensive line last year and uh you go out and you 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 know first time they've drafted uh a tackle oh by the way congratulations! a uh, good interview on 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 the Philadelphia Eagles uh website no oh, thank you uh uh Fran and those guys do a great job over there mm-hmm. don't they uh oh yeah
1: him and Ben final are, are two of the best
0: yeah those guys are x and o uh centric and they uh, they really keep a good ear to not only what you know, obviously what the Eagles do, but around the league as well too. So that that was entertaining. But uh, uh, you know, going back to the Steelers and tackle, you first time they've drafted a tackle in the first round since even before Kevin Colbert uh, uh, arrived. Uh, long story short, I mean, if Roderick's going to start at some point during the season. Uh, the only way he, the only way he doesn't is if Dan Moore all of a sudden, you know, becomes this you know, shut down, uh, left tackle and, and, and to core for state, you know, both of them stay healthy, uh, over there. And, and yeah, that would be a fantastic problem to have. We're thinking, my God, look, you know, uh, look, look at what Dan Moore's doing, you know, uh, over there on that side. But, uh, uh, it just, it, it, it seems like it's just a matter of time before Broderick Jones hits the field as a starter. And, We'll obviously now see how things go the rest of the offseason here and see if that's going to happen in week one, week two, or, you know, how, how soon it can happen.
1: Let's just assume for a moment that Dan Moore is the week one starter. What has to happen for Jones to to take that job? Is it where Moore has to just visibly struggle mightily or is it just where they have a thought where Jones just needs some more practice reps and some time and some seasoning? and eventually he's going to get the nod. Even if Moore's playing inoffensively, he's playing just, just okay, but they're going to make the switch to see what the rookie can do. Like what, what do you think would have to happen for Jones to become the starter? If he's not the starter out of the gate against the 49ers?
0: Well, I mean, I think it starts with uh, the the tape on Dan Moore, right? You know, plain and simple. Uh, uh, You know, it starts there. And then obviously, you know, how how comfortable are you with Broderick Jones' progression? Sure, know?
1: here's here, here's my guess, and I'm getting over my skis here, and I hate projecting some of this stuff out because who that knows what's going to happen? And again, I still think Jones is the favorite to start. If Moore does start week one, I think by week three. Broderick Jones is the starter. And I say that because, and this is probably unfair to Dan Moore, but he's going to get Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett the first two weeks, get that out of the way. Moore's probably going to have some problems there. It's going to kind of be an easy, easy transition time to say, okay, you got past the the two top edge guys. Moore got put in some tough matchups, probably didn't look great. And so now let's ready to go with uh, uh, Broderick Jones for week three.
0: Yeah. And hopefully <laughs> Bosa and Garrett don't <laughs> wreck too, too much havoc. Right. You know? So, yeah, I mean, I can understand, I can understand that. I mean, d- it would be quite a test though, uh, right. For, for, for Brodery. I mean, you want to talk about getting thrown into the deep end of the pool
1: sure. uh, uh,
0: uh, right away. That would, that would, that would most definitely qualify as that. Although yeah, I know, I know Garrett, switches side some, but it does seem like he's more on, you know, going against the left tackle more times than not. Whereas I'm trying to remember Bosa, isn't he more equally?
1: Yes. Uh, he, he flips a bit more left and right side. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. So, and, and as we've talked over the years, you know, there's, there's no such thing as hiding your tackles in, sure. in, 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 in today's NFL. So Anyway, that's going to be a topic of uh, conversation moving forward throughout the rest of the summer, right? Is will he or won't he be the week one starter? So we'll see.
1: And and just one last note, when I say about that scenario of Jones bypassing the tough matchups to begin the year, week one, week two, I don't say that to advocate for quote-unquote protecting the rookie and hiding him from these top matchups. I don't believe in that. Either the guy's ready or he's not based on his own practice and, as you said, throw this guy in the deep end of the pool and and see what happens. You're going to face some really good rushers. Anyway, I just think logically that would kind of be the excuse that you could make. Jones not ready week one. Let's see how Moore does. Moore probably takes some lumps in the first two weeks. And that's kind of the easy way to say, okay, Moore's not playing great. Although no tackle probably would play great against those those two guys and Bosa and Garrett. Now let's make the switch for week three. Who do, who do they play week three? Who's their week three opponent? And it's the Raiders, right? It's the Raiders at Las Vegas. Yeah. And yeah, that was Max Crosby, but he's he's, <laughs> he's on the other side most of the time. Now, right. They may flip him a little bit, but it shouldn't be as much of an issue for um uh, for whoever the left tackle is on
0: Unless you know, obviously what uh, new uh, uh new regime over there though, right? I mean, but you would think True. he 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 is a lot better on uh on the left side of that defense. So I mean, he's. Boy, you're talking about some some edge rushers right out of the chute. <laughs> yeah, wow.
1: it's, it's it's a it's a crazy crazy matchup. Although if if I'm if I'm the Raiders, and let's just say all this that I just laid out happens, and Jones becomes the Week Three starter, his first NFL start, I'm putting Max Crosby on that right side a couple snaps and, and testing this rookie to see how he does on the road uh, in his first NFL start. I'm not going to just glue Max Crosby to left end the entire time, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna test that rookie a bit out of the gate. Uh,
0: yeah, because you're also probably going to have you should have Isaac say on that side. So you want to see how the communication is over there and and everything that goes
1: along with it. Right. Right. So that'd be my thought. Again, I'm, we're way down the road and just speculating because it's June 5th. And not a lot's right. going on, but just kind of mapping this out in my head right now.
0: You know, speaking of offensive line, we've talked a lot about center and backup center specifically and. You threw out the name uh, Jimmy Morrissey uh, the other day, and and you you wrote about it uh, this morning. And I tell you, you know, yesterday I found myself going down several several different uh, uh, wormholes, if you will. I went and looked at uh, the center position as a whole across the NFL. Ah, uh, looking at not I uh, looked at all the depth charts uh, over on our lads and uh, uh, and then went to uh, over the cap and looked at the the hierarchy hierarchy of of the pays now, man, center around the league right now uh, not only when it comes to starters but depth around the league it's there's not a lot of big names that really stick out,
1: yeah, and that's why I think. Morrissey makes a lot of sense, and I don't want to take all the credit. Somebody mentioned that in our live stream, I believe, last Monday, a week ago, and just mentioned the name about Kenny Pickett's teammate, and I kind of ran with it from there and wrote the article today. I think it makes a lot of sense for he's got some size. He's got a little bit of athleticism. um, He's got the Kenny Pickett connection. They were teammates. They were center quarterback partners for a couple years over there at Pitt, and Morrissey's a guy that may get squeezed out because you're right. Not just center depth, but I would wager without seeing all the depth charts, O-line depth in general across the NFL is weak just because it's the hardest position to find quality depth. It's so scarce. It's so underdeveloped in college and even in the NFL. And so finding those those depth names is difficult to do. Where I think Morrissey's chances of not making the roster come into play are the facts that he didn't start last year. They had Scott, uh, Scott Quis... Uh, how do you say the name? Uh, Quisenberry. Quisenberry yeah and so he's there he resigned not a great starter but but he's there he's above Morrissey then they go out there and they draft two centers and juice Scruggs from Penn State round two probably going to be their day one starter and then Jared Patterson in the sixth round from Notre Dame I think some people have projected him at guard I think he lacks the length to play guard but he's going to be a center guard type of guy so you have a veteran guy already in Quisenberry you have two rookies I could see Morrissey basically working his way out being a potential uh you know 90 man cut down at the end of august type of guy and so for pittsburgh they're going to evaluate their own internal options of course but i think morrissey makes a lot of sense
0: and i look back at morrissey from last season uh one snap at center 50 and and uh he played 57 offensive snaps in total in in two different or three different games uh Just one snap at center came early in the season in week three. The other 56 snaps came at left guard for him.
1: Okay. He's got a bit of guard experience too. Um, I think in 2021, I believe he was playing more center. We can check that now with, with uh, Justin Britt being out. So if you have numbers on that, go ahead.
0: Uh, He, all he played was center in 2021 in, four different games looks like he started and played the entire time at center 258 snaps at center uh in in total now uh to uh, to, to to quantify this i mean we're we're not talking that this is oh my god look at the fine that they got here in Jimmy Moore i mean it's just it's it's literally when you if you and i i invite everybody listening uh, run you know run over to our lads and You can look at all the depth charts on one page and then go through the center position and look at the either a team's second string listed or in some case, you know, there's very few, I think, that have actually three in total there. And go look around, (laughs) go look around the league and see how many of those names you recognize. I was and then run over to over the cap and sort it by center. And uh, it just it to me, I, I, I my main takeaways, man, center position around the leagues just seems weak. Once you get past, you know, the obvious big names, uh, the Kelsey's and I mean, <laughs> and my other takeaway is man, Mason Cole doesn't look so bad, <laughs> 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 you know, and look, he did have a pretty decent season la- last year. Right.
1: Oh yeah. I think, you know, again, this is, a little bit of the comparison to Kendrick green. So it probably feels maybe a tad better than what it really was when you go from green struggles to Cole's kind of steady, even play. But yeah, I thought Cole was excellent, uh, last year in tough and a warrior and as a run blocker, I mean, he, you know, battled through those, those ankle injuries all year. So yeah, I, I thought it was a good season for him.
0: Uh, we're, we're from where you sit right now, regardless what, what happens, you know, with the backup spot moving forward here, uh, could you see this team drafting a center early in two thousand and twenty four?
1: Yeah, potentially. I mean, Cole's contract runs through twenty twenty four.
0: I think through next year, right?
1: Yeah, so through twenty twenty four, right?
0: Uh, I to it does. Check. He's not a
1: free agent after this year. He's a free agent after the after next after the two thousand
0: twenty four season. season, I believe. Right.
1: So yeah, I mean, I I think you know I I like Cole a lot. I I don't think he's necessarily their long term answer, and I think Pittsburgh is still looking for that Marquise Pouncy type, that probably better athlete, and that guy that could anchor the position for a decade, the way that so many great Steelers centers have: Webster, Dawson, Mansfield, Pouncy. I I don't think Cole is is, is quite that guy. I mean, I'm content if he's this team's starting center, that's no problem with me, but yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I think they could, could be looking at that if they want to try to find really a, a, a strong future building block.
0: The other wild card in all this is obviously Spencer Anderson, right? You know, to see what transpires. I know there was an article in the Trib, I think yesterday or the day before, uh, about how he's kind of flying under the radar. And, you know, he's a seventh round draft pick, Mm -hmm. but, you know, you got one that's a seventh rounder that's not flying uh, under the (laughs) radar, uh, at least according to our our early OTA reports and Corey Trice, but uh, you know, Spencer Anderson's kind of become this forgotten guy uh, from, from the draft class right now. But uh, as we talked, you know, uh, coming out of draft, you know, position flexibility there. And I, I think kind of the, 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 the the takeaway from that article was, uh, and I, who was it, uh, uh, was it Dan Moore that had the quotes on him Say, I didn't even know he could play, play center, you know, uh, and and evidently he can. So I guess, uh, you would kind of get the feeling, of course, you know, they can't report, uh, they can't report what they see you know, uh, at, at OTAs, unless players tell them something, but I, you know, I think the big thing I'm looking forward to once, once get into camp is how, how much actual work are they giving him at center, you know, and mm-hmm. can, and can he potentially be, you know, the backup? Cause I mean, as of right now, I mean, it, it, it still sounds like Kendrick green is the primary
1: backup, As of right now, based on early OTA results, so basically your options in terms of backup center, you could probably throw out four names, Kendrick Green, Spencer Anderson, Brian McCollum, and even Nate Herbig, who has played a tiny bit of center. Obviously, his profile is more a a true guard, but if you want him to be all three type of guy and, and boost his value a bit, maybe you could try to give him some center reps this summer and see how it goes.
0: All right. So uh, that'll be something to watch that that, that uh, really look forward to your reporting once they get into camp here. I mean, they, they you know, can can this team go into this season with with Kendrick, uh Green dressing as the backup center, swear, you know, slash swing guy? I mean, it's not yeah. unthinkable, I guess, but it's not ideal either.
1: I mean, a. How does he look during the summer? Do we see tangible improvement? Do we see growth? Can or he stay he on his That feet? last year, yeah, exactly. Those types of things. Can he handle power? Can he, you know, be able to function within the rules of Meyer's scheme and first significant contact and some of the on-body, more aggressive pass sets? We'll have to see. So, to answer that question, is going to be based, based you know, largely off of do we see any sort of growth in year number three?
0: Uh it- Interesting. I mean, uh, and once again, I, I don't blame you for writing about Jimmy Morsi because once again, you just you you look around the NFL right now, and just uh, I mean, even even though there's probably going to be a guy or two a veteran that's earning I don't know three four million dollars, I guess, getting cut, you know, because of him probably being the best on the block, you know, uh, there might be a race to to scoop him up around the NFL, you know, right? Who, and Morrissey, whoever be that chief. is.
1: Right. Morrissey will be cheap on his, right. I guess, well, I guess maybe not on his rookie deal because he got caught, he was a right. draft pick of the Raiders, but a, a, a cheap deal, obviously. And so he's basically like J.C. Hossenauer, but probably more athletic. That, that's Jimmy Morrissey, and he's got the picket connection. He can play a bit of guard, and he can play center. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Yeah, it makes you, and will, will J.C. stick with the Giants?
1: That's a good point. Could he come back? Yeah. I mean, what does is, what is the Giants center depth chart look like? I mean, I assume Hossenauer is probably the backup right now.
0: Uh, let me look
1: here. You were doing your uh Sunday, yeah. The, I gotta, the depth I, charts there. I booked, oh, they drafted John Michael Schmitz. Oh, that's, that's right. Yeah, okay. Well, so you should start. Uh, with and J-
0: JC is listed as the primary backup now. They obviously they've got uh several. Let's see, I'm trying to think of any of these guys listed as guard if they're center. Uh, Did
1: Redison play any center at Michigan
0: who seemed like he played a little bit,
1: didn't he? Yeah. And look, I see Jack Anderson. He was a pretty versatile guy. I think he's at a Texas tech and maybe Shane Lemieux. I don't know if Lemieux played center at Oregon.
0: Wasn't he wanted, uh, wasn't he a senior bowl guy?
1: We talked about him yeah. when he came out. Yeah. I don't remember the context, right. but I, I, I know Jack Anderson. I think it can, can play all three interior spots.
0: Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, Center still the backup center spot is going to be something interesting to watch as well. Moving, moving forward through the offseason.
1: Yeah, be watching that uh, pretty closely overall. So uh, speaking of offense alignment and depth and guys getting released, Joe Haig just got released by the Browns. Uh, this just came across five minutes ago, and not that I'm suggesting Pittsburgh will uh, pick him up, but we talked about him whenever he got released. It was kind of a surprise cut and didn't play for Cleveland, was on that roster and is now off their roster.
0: Yeah, uh I mean he he's probably gonna have at least some team sign him to a minimum value contract. I I, I kind of doubt it'd be Pittsburgh at this point.
1: Yeah, I I doubt it too, when you have the Raven Clark and you know, obviously you draft Broderick Jones, but I do want to mention that since we were talking about uh offense alignment right. and depth and, and all those topics. Greg Cosell also had one other concern about if you're a fan of the Steelers, you're not going to like what Greg Cosell has to say. He was concerned about, about Patrick Peterson playing in a potential man heavy system. that Pittsburgh may be running in 2023. I think it's a fair point again from Cosell.
0: Yeah, especially, I mean, there's all this talk, uh, uh, you know, about, you know, Peterson potentially getting some slot time as well. Is he, is his health one of the most, uh, I was thinking about this last night as well too. What what if God forbid you were to lose him to injury?
1: You lost Peterson. Yeah. In terms of I've slot just be, work or I mean, just, just all
0: in, in general. I mean, because you, uh, you'd have to. I mean, obviously, assuming Wa Levi Wallace, you know, is on a roster, it, you know, it would it would be Wallace and probably. Porter on the outside until, you know, mm-hmm. depending on how fast you can track, you know, what, what, what Corey Trice is. And then, you know, we're, we're back to the, when, when Peterson's not in the slot, who's going to be, be, be the slot? I, I was just thinking, man, it just be, because it just sounds like he's going to be a guy, at least at this point of the off season to kind of assume that Kim Sutton role, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what would it, you know, that, that it just, it feels like it'd be a big thing to overcome.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you lost him, then you're up, Joey Porter, you're going to be the full-time guy. And then in terms of slot work, it probably goes back to Chandon Sullivan, which is a less than ideal option, but he's an experienced guy to play inside. And so you kind of take that when depth is tested, you get guys with some experience at the least that have some, you know, knownness to their game. So that's probably how it would stand as we sit here today.
0: Yeah, overall, I mean, it kind of, and he didn't speak much on, you know, they, they kind of flew through the AFC North in Mm. that uh, podcast episode, but uh, uh, he didn't, he didn't seem enthralled with, 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 with the Steelers, right?
1: No, at least, I mean, only we'll kind of mention those two names, I guess, but. But yeah, my concern with Peterson is the same. when they first signed Peterson, you know, I know that the trendy stat at the time was Minnesota was a zone-heavy team last year. Pittsburgh was a man-heavy team last year. And, and those were all true. But I thought, well, maybe Pittsburgh will adjust their scheme. They're not necessarily beholden to playing as much man coverage uh, this year as they did last year. But then you go out there, you draft Joey Porter Jr. Jr. you draft Corey Trice Jr. You've heard Omar Khan and this team talk about you know, being physical, pressing, even even Patrick Peterson in that story about Calvin Austin, he said, you know, Brady Brown told him, go up there and press. I mean, that's that's kind of been the mantra of how Pittsburgh's built their, their roster. So I'm going to assume they're going to be a pretty man-heavy, press-heavy type of team this year. And at soon-to-be 33, is that best for Patrick Peterson? I, I think there are some real concerns there about how does he fit schematically in what the Steelers want to run this year.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh sp- speaking of Calvin Austin, it sounds like he's he's got his wheels back up underneath him, right?
1: Yeah, that was a story that Peterson told on this podcast with Bryant McFadden that they had that seven on seven rep, and I think we mentioned that last week that uh, you know, Peterson found out real fast who that uh fastest receiver in that Steelers receiver room is, and it's Calvin Austin.
0: Well, hopefully he can stay healthy because they could they could certainly use, you know, a
1: dynamic player like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dave, um, I just trying to brainstorm some ideas. You know, we don't we talk about the players. We evaluate the players on this roster quite a bit. How about evaluating the coaches? And that can be tough to do for, you know, a bunch of reasons, obviously. But I had an article this morning on Steel's Depot, sticky top of the page, about ranking the basically 13 kind of main coaches from head coaches to coordinators to head positional coaches. This does not include assistant positional coaches or quality control coaches just the positional guys, the coordinators, and the head coaches at number one. And I thought about, you know, should Mike Tomlin really be at the number one spot? And I thought who might try to replace him. I just could not come up with a name. And so Mike Tomlin did take the top spot. Number two coach that I ranked was Carl Dunbar, the D-line coach. Alfredo Roberts, number three. Terrell Austin, number four. And quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan, number five. Do you have any Any thoughts or strong opinions on my quarterback, my my coaching staff ranking list?
0: No, not, not, you know, definitely not in the top, uh, top three there. I mean, Dunbar, uh, you know, uh, well-respected, obviously. And uh, since, uh, since taking over for, for John Mitchell, I think's done, done a great job with, with what he's had there. And now obviously the, you know, a lot of going to be interesting to watch that defensive line. Uh, this year, right? Because they're going to be, you know, you potentially have some 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 new guys in there, and in, in Fajoco and Watts, and obviously you got a draft pick that you're going to want to uh, try to fast track pretty quick in 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 Keanu Benton, and uh, you know, I th- I, th- I think overall, I mean, Dunbar's been 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 pretty solid overall. Uh, interesting, maybe that you have uh, Alfredo Roberts over a guy like Terrell Austin, but I I, I get it. I mean, he's light. Right. And uh, I think, uh, you know, I think overall when it comes to the tight end position, the, the biggest takeaway the last couple of years has just been the blocking overall.
1: Yeah, I went with Roberts, and and it's fair that if you want to put Austin over top of him, but just to see the growth and development from Pat Frymuth, it was legitimately a top tight end in football right now. I know Zach Gentry's blocking took a step back in 2022, but in 2021 it took a big leap forward, and it had to because he was in danger of getting cut. It was him battling Kevin Rader. Gentry had been hurt, hadn't done much, was kind of this raw guy, not much of a receiver really wasn't a good blocker at that point in his career. He really turned things around. You see Connor Hayward progress, even though he's an atypical looking tight end. And you just watch the way that Roberts works with these guys in training camp. I mean, they are always first on the field in terms of when the other guys, the rest of the team is kind of just lounging around and they're playing catch and just kind of doing their own thing. Roberts always has the tight ends going through some preliminary drills over the bags um you know whatever that that day looks like and and i think you see the work ethic for a young group a group that's had some change to it and and you see those guys progress and pay off because roberts really works these guys pretty hard and so i think you just you watch these guys get better get molded that's why i put roberts at high and he does have a pretty lengthy nfl resume under his belt
0: feels like Danny Smith should be ranked lower.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. I am going to yell, that a lot about that. I, I had, and, if, and, and, that...
0: I, and look, it feels like Pat. My- and look, I mean, I think Pat Meyer maybe should at least swap, uh, spots with, with, with Danny Smith for the sheer fact that look what he was able to do with, with that, the second half of the season. Uh, no, I, you know, look, he, he got damn lucky. Cause all those guys stayed, stayed mm-hmm. healthy and all, but I mean, he, can we agree that the old line overachieved during the final third of the season?
1: Sure. I would say that that's fair.
0: You know, so for, for however you want to quantify that. I mean, I mean, it's obvious it wasn't good enough because of what they went out and did this off season and it needed to be done anyway. But, uh, you know, it, it feels like, because of what he was able to accomplish during the final third of the third of the season, it feels like Pat Meyer should definitely be. Uh, uh, there was not enough splash by the special teams last year. Period. In right. a
1: this is not just a twenty twenty two evaluation right. though. It's it's their whole career in terms of what they've done in Pittsburgh, and a little bit about their resume in general. So it, it's not. Reflective of just um, just okay. solely twenty twenty
0: two. But I mean Danny Smith the last couple of years in general, it, it it does almost feel like he's close to uh having a
1: meeting with the Bobs. <laughs> I mean, that's our perception. I I, right. I mean, there's never been any sort of report that that's, you know, had that, that thought to it. I, I get that. And that's fair. I thought Pat Meyer did a great job last year. I think he's been a really important guy in terms of the type of coach that he is. I mean, he is not a yeller. You don't hear his voice at all in training camp. Like he's a pretty quiet guy, but he's a really effective teacher And this, this young offensive line with so many moving pieces and parts needed a, a true technical teacher. And Meyer is certainly that kind of guy. Um, I do think there is some, I mean, the, the line was so bad to start last year. They had really had nowhere to go, but up and because they were as healthy as they were, that kind of just helped the progression as well. Had Trent Scott had the play last year, had Jesse Davis had the play last year, probably a little less excited about the job that Pat Meyer did, even though it wouldn't really be his fault. And, and with Danny Smith, again, I, there are certainly fair critiques of him. You're right. The, the return game was not good last year. The punting's been mixed or had been. Some issues, but I just think that the the overall career arc that he's had in Pittsburgh, and getting guys to buy in, and and also just the fact like, dude's just a worker. I mean, he's like, I mean, he's the only coach in, in, on on a team where he's the only guy that carries a special teams label, and he gets a little bit of help. But I mean, he does it all, and and that's pretty rare to see. So I'm a little biased as well. I'll, I'll, I'll take that for sure. And I think if Meyer and the so line has a strong year in 2023, then Meyer's going to certainly move up that list.
0: And Denzel Martin and Aaron Curry at the end are just primarily, be, uh, and, and being behind Matt Canadas primarily because of the newness, right?
1: Right. Martin's not new to Pittsburgh, but just trying to see his own separation because he's worked, hand-in-hand with Carl Dunbar, you want to see Martin kind of a bit more on his own. I wonder if Pittsburgh will separate the edge rushers and the defense alignment in terms of how they practice this year, because in past years, they were all lumped together. It was just the D-line and the edge guys working in the same group. I I get the sense they're going to spread things out and have the edge guys to be in their own dedicated space this year in practice. I'll be watching that, but Martin's still new to that kind of position on his own. Curry knew. it would would be trendy and obvious to put Canada last. I put him 11th of 13. You could put him last, but if he has another bad year, you won't put him anywhere on this list because he will no longer be in Pittsburgh.
0: All right. uh, A lot of effort in that. I respect that. Uh, And it's, it's creating some, some, some generating some comments in there.
1: All right, Dave, what else do we have running out of things to talk about today? To be honest with you, Uh, they have OTAs Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Anything in terms of what you're looking for or hoping to hear about from the next uh, couple of days of work?
0: Yeah, just overall, just staying healthy and see if we get some some you know reports about certain people working in certain spots. You know, just I mean, you only you're 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 handicapped at kind of what comes out of there, so it's hard to to pinpoint exactly you know something that you're looking for that you can't see you know, and and mm-hmm. that that's limited. It will be interesting to see. Because there are four days, you know, if, if one of these days is a team building day, I guess. And, and yeah, I, that, that's more than likely probably going to be today if that happens, I would think. So, uh, get through this week and then mandatory mini camp next week. Uh, all right. I, I guess we're running out of topics here on this, on this Monday, right?
1: I was brainstorming some ideas whenever I can't think about what to write about. Let me, let me ask you this. Whenever you're trying to think of a topic, how do you what's your process? Let me ask like the big philosophical kind of arrogant question here. What is your, what is your what is Dave Brian's process when it comes to brainstorming ideas? I'd love to know.
0: I, I just go and I stare at the roster, to be quite honest you. what you
1: do? Okay. Yeah. I do that a, a little bit, too. I, I I stare at Pro Football Reference, though. I just start scrolling and just trying to find things to write about. That's kind of my, my launching point. And I was kind of scrolling through some stuff, and I came up with a stat. And it's a little specific, but I think it's still important for the historical aspect of it. Pittsburgh's offense for the last two years has ranked in the 20s in scoring offense. They were 26 in scoring offense last year, 21st in 2021. If they if they finish in the 20s for a third straight year in 2023, that'll be the first time in franchise history they've ever finished in the 20s in three consecutive seasons. And the uh-huh. streak, obviously, you do not want to set. And they've only finished back-to-back years in the 20s for three times now, including 2021 and 2022. And so um, now granted, you know, pre-merger, there weren't even 20 teams in the NFL, but, you know, since 1970, there have been at least 26. And so for Pittsburgh scoring offense, they're in a rut. We haven't really seen that often throughout their history.
0: Yeah, if it stay and look, I mean, I you know we we've said this several times. You know, uh, we obviously expect the offense to 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 be better than it's been uh, obviously uh, better than last season and, and, and running the football is going to play a big part in that. And, you know, hopefully byproducts are that is more yards after the catch and they, are going to need more explosive plays, but when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I don't think just looking at, you know, they're going to have to have obviously good play from their defense to, to, to stay in a lot of these games. Fortunately, I think the schedule overall is, is favorable for this team but here here here's here's a news flash for you uh you have to score more points than the other team to win mm. games okay okay uh, and and they are, they are going to have to score more points this year plain and simple
1: let me ask you this we have identified two areas where Pittsburgh has to improve in order to score more points because scoring more points is just the end result of the other stats improving. If you could only put, pick one area for this team to finish, let's say, top 10 in, would it be top 10 in explosive plays overall or top 10 in red zone offense? If you could only pick one of those to finish, you could guarantee be a top 10 offense in that in that category. Which would you prefer?
0: Man, I'm going to go explode. You know me. I'm going to go. I know expo- you're going to go some plays. Explosive plays because, I mean, that explosive plays you need those in today's NFL to pr- produce scoring and explosive plays uh can result in in touchdowns on the on the on the back end of um, as well too and an explosive play can get you on the other side of the 50yard line and thus maybe get you in field goal range uh, uh that kind of thing and explosive plays especially outside of the red zone uh you know even if we're talking, you know, uh, you know, from the 22 yard line or the 25 yard line, uh, those, those, those can most definitely end up in the end zone for sure. So we we've got to see this offense, be able to get chunks, plain and simple.
1: Yeah. I And if if I
0: had to sacrifice now, look, you're not, it's not going to matter if you're in the bottom third of the league in red zone. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you in know, theory, so there, it, there's
0: a trade off, but if you're telling me maybe just outside of, you know, fifth, let's say 15th overall in the league in red zone, but boy, your, your explosive plays have gone up in your top mm-hmm. 10. Uh, I, I think you'd come out of that okay.
1: And hopefully, even if you aren't as efficient in the red zone as you would like, if you're getting more opportunities because you're getting more explosive plays, you'll take some of that volume over necessarily. You'd rather be. You know, making up numbers here, uh, 50, 52% in the red zone with a bunch of volume, then 60% in the red zone with half the volume because you're just not giving yourself as many chances to get in close to score. So fair point. there. I'll go red zone just because of the obvious correlation. If you're high in red zone, your offense is finishing drives and um, you're obviously putting the ball in the end zone. But yeah, I think explosive plays is a, is a key component. What do you think the number one way for this team to create more explosive plays in the pass game is? What do you think they have to do above all else to actually create more big plays?
0: Uh, complete the football to players out in space more than eight and a half yards down the field.
1: Conceptually, do you think Pittsburgh did a good enough job at that last year? No. Okay, I'm with you. Kind of a, it was a softball question, but right. to, to, to steer the conversation, yeah, I think. They did not do a good job of scheming that up.
0: And look, I mean, you, you just look at the, you know, one of the questions about Kenny Pickett going into this, this season will be, will he be able to complete more balls down the field? You know, you know, I'm not saying you have to be able to complete, uh, air yard distances of, of, you know, 40 plus all the time, but you've got to be able to complete the football more than 20 yards down the field, uh, a lot more than what he was able to do, obviously, his rookie season. So, uh, I mean, running the football is great. I think that should be the concentration. I, I, I look forward to seeing bully ball. But byproducts of that hopefully will be more packed boxes and more opportunities for him to take chances down down, down the field and and, and, and complete those things because running the football is just successfully is just not going to be good enough if you're not capitalizing on potential situations that'll cre- that'll create for your offense.
1: Right. And for whatever it's worth here looking up an article that PFF uh, published today and this is just one stat that is certainly lacking a lot of important context but talking about this team not getting a lot of big downfield plays under Kenny Pickett, Pickett ranked 8th in the NFL in checkdown rate last year at a 9.2% checkdown rate. Um, now, to be fair, there's other notable names that were higher than him. Justin Herbert had the second highest checkdown rate. Joe Burrow was third. Josh Allen seventh. Um, but I will say some of the lowest checkdown rate quarterbacks were the likes of Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, bless you, and Lamar Jackson. And so, just one number, not uh, not giving a whole lot of context there, obviously. But maybe we can keep an eye on what Pickett's checkdown rate is in 2023 and compare that to his rookie season.
0: You know, one of the biggest jumps that I think Joe Burrow made in his second season was the ability to complete the football down the field.
1: Yeah, know? his his arm, when I thought his rookie year in, in LSU, I thought his arm was not that strong. I don't know if it's just the Jamar Chase effect or what, but his arm looks 10 times better mm-hmm. than where it was early. I in his was period.
0: surprised. I was surprised at the jump he made uh, in, in, in that area. And then once again, how much, you know, how much is that of? of of i mean look it, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like jamar chase obviously but
1: mm-hmm. you know they
0: were also in a lot of situations where they were able to take advantage of out outs out, out you know uh one on one matchups on the outside and all like that and he was putting the ball where it needed to be and they they were making making plays when was the last time here here's something for you to look up uh that i i i don't even have it when was the last time the Steelers were were in the same year Top ten in explosive plays and red zone.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Twenty eighteen, maybe first one that comes to mind. I have, I'd have to do a lot of research to to look that up. But
0: what year was Ben injured though?
1: Twenty nineteen.
0: Okay, okay, twenty
1: nineteen. Yeah, twenty eighteen. They had the six strength offense. You, let's see what they were. Well, they've had some bad red zone offenses, so that was a thing. Even those like talented teams. That's that why. I, that's why I asked,
0: because you know it, it seems like it's been like one or the other.
1: Right. Let me. You said 2018, right?
0: Well, I mean, I, I, or um, you said the I'm last asking. time
1: they. I'm sorry. Yeah, they finished top ten. Is that in, in red zone offense
0: and explosive right. plays?
1: Okay. Well, in 2018, they were the number one red zone offense that year. So with, I got to find out where they were in explosive plays. And these are just passing plays or overall? No, no, plays? no. Uh,
0: explosive plays in general. Any play uh, gaining 20 okay. or more yards.
1: All right, and we'll give me a second here to go All to our right. old trusty uh, stat head here. They, I, I'm guessing Pittsburgh ranked top ten this year with that offense being as as prolific as it was, but that's probably the only year they've had it, you know, in in in, in quite some time. Um, so so point taken, regardless of of what these numbers may show. So, you th- would you guess 2018
0: too? Uh, yeah, th- that's that that feels right.
1: All right, let's see Tw- explosive plays pass rush 20 plus yards or oh, I've hit the I, I forgot to, to change the year. So give me one second while, while it loads 97
0: you, but- days to go until week one game against uh, the 49ers. Uh, yesterday obviously was ninety-eight days, and I was able to go back and find the Casey Hampton fumble <laughs> recovery. I thing. forgot
1: about that. That was a great clip. Uh,
0: that he that he rumbled, what was it, thirty-six or thirty-seven yards uh, with against the Bengals way back in two thousand and two.
1: Yeah, that was um that was uh, did they win that game? I believe so, yes. Okay, gotcha. I'm still stuck in I've I forgot to change the year and so now it's pulling all from ninety-four to twenty twenty-two. I do that all the time, and so it takes a second to uh to, to load that in, but it finally just loaded, so now we'll pick twenty eighteen explosive plays and hopefully it will load in Quicker as I stall here and wait for it to, to load. So explosive plays offense, Pittsburgh finish three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. So okay. 2018, they were first in red zone. They were eighth in explosive uh, offensive plays.
0: And then that was, uh, yeah. Okay. All right.
1: I'm assuming they have not done it since. Cause I don't think they've been in top 10 in red zone since then.
0: All right. Uh, interesting nugget there to kind of, uh, Go, go go into I guess uh some reader emails huh
1: Yeah, let's get through some reader emails and close out today's show
0: uh this from uh george or Jorge one of the two uh just a fun question if you can add any two pass Steelers in their prime for this season only one on offense no quarterbacks and one on defense who would you choose would you Go for Need, uh, Farrier, or Lambert, or just uh, Joy in watching Troy, Woodson, or Mean Joe. He said it'd be nice to see Dawson anchor this O-line or Ward blocking on the outside. Yeah, he says start starting the season already. Uh, if you can have one, uh, any two pass stealers in their prime for this season only and he can't pick a quarterback Let, let's go on offense first what what with the current way this offense sits right now if you could add one former Steeler in there from the past in their prime who Who would it be and he can't choose a quarterback
1: gotcha my first thought was alan fanica
0: yeah mine mine too
1: and uh, there's a lot of ways you could go, but I mean, and they have, you know, good guards and say Malu and James Daniels, but neither of those guys are Allen Fanica, you know? So that, that if for the, this power run game that they want to have Alan Fanica's your guy.
0: Uh, who's the first guy from defense that jumps, jumps. I mean, I went uh, Troy
1: just first thought. Okay. Uh, but obviously you could pick.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's there's Lambert, some different ways you can
1: go,
0: yeah. go that. All right. Interesting uh, question there. Let's see here. If I got anything else, it'd been kind of a slow. There's ride. some great
1: tackles in Steelers history to choose from because tackles is a big uh, need along the O line, but it, it's harder to find that that guy.
0: Uh, James writes in, David Ox, what tips do you have for a father son trip to training camp on Latrobe to maximize enjoyment? He says, I have never been and planned to go this year. I know your goals to watch practice. Uh, are different than the fans, but any tips would be appreciated, like the best places to get photos, autographs, shade, etc. Thank you for everything you do. Keep up the great work. I'll tell you the best way to answer this or or to address this question: uh, get a hold of David O. Uh, mm-hmm. sub, sub burger. Uh, on Twitter, and uh, I know he listens to every episode. Uh, he obviously contributes uh, to to the site and has for quite a while. Uh, David O. would probably be the single best person uh, uh, to, to to ask. You know, how to maximize just your Latrobe enjoyment all together, you know, as a fan, especially if you're you're your father-son trip and and places to eat and places to get autographs and picture taking and all like that. Uh, obviously I, I i i can't provide any help here mm-hmm. <laughs> whatsoever and alex you you pretty much go and you sit with your waterproof paper and and binoculars and you're locked in uh that way i mean obviously you could help out with you know pl- probably places to eat and in some areas but james i really think you uh 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 should get a hold of david o
1: yeah he's definitely the go-to guy for your training camp experience um yeah, I mean, you know, Route 30, Sharkies is pretty popular in terms of camp itself. Yeah, check weather. There's not a lot of shady spots necessarily and, and rain. Usually there's a couple of rainy days and you got to be careful for that. Get there early because Steeler fans, as you probably know, they show up early and you don't want to be somebody late from a parking standpoint, from a, a bleacher standpoint. Weekend's always far busier than weekdays, but yeah. Um, if you're gonna if you're going there for autographs, especially and you wanna be up at the fence line where the players come out, then you better get there really early to get that prime front row spot. Otherwise it's gonna be a struggle to get autographs. But uh it's a lot of fun. Just enjoy it. It's 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 a great time.
0: Uh my my best contribution to this might be always bring a towel and, mm. and a, a terrible towel and a regular towel, probably to dry off with.
1: Little South Park reference in there potentially there, there, too. There,
0: there, there you go. There. So uh, uh, hook up David O. You know what? That that might make. A, once we get into the slow season, have David O. write write uh, the ultimate. I don't write r- write some sort of post of uh, uh, the best way to enjoy training camp as a fan, and and maybe he'll have. Um, maybe this has produced some sort of. Uh, uh, creative aspect for, for David O to write an off, off season article on once we get like out, it. out of mandatory mini camp. So, David, I know you're listening. So, uh, 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 there's something for you to, to, to attack there.
1: And we should know the camp dates soon. Usually, it's about this time of year we get yeah. the whole training camp dates, which should be obviously late July. I just don't know the exact day. So, should be within a week or so, I would think.
0: All right, we've made it. Uh, we've made it through all the uh, questions we have here, Alex, and I think we're about one hour in total. So we've 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 been able to make a show about nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Our specialty, right? Uh, so we will be back on Wednesday talk about whatever's happened at OTAs and 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 kind of move forward there as the Steelers start getting on the backside of their their off season program here. So uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora, Follow the show. Uh, at Terrible Podcast, email to show the show, podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, studentsdepot.com, hit the donate button, upright, navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, studentsdepot.com, hit the ad-free button, upright, navigational bar. And until Wednesday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.